Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate demons in this house. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? I'll have to put those here to test our faith. That damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! Welcome back to the Deep Share for a part two with John Klizak. How's it going, man? It's going good. I really appreciate having me back so we could dig a little deeper in the article. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. So in the first episode that you guys heard, we had a great conversation and I think it went into a lot of depth and a lot of, you know, went the distance in certain ways, but it also wasn't exactly where we planned on it going. So we want to go more into Barbara herself on this part too. So this, um, yeah, this is going to be released the same day. So everybody will, you know, get the same, all the information at once. So, um, but yeah, just to recap, or in case someone's accidentally catching this one first, John, why don't you give a, a quick brief, uh, intro on, you know, who you are and you know, what's your, uh, what you're all about. Okay, cool, cool. So, uh, so John Kleisick, uh, author of School World Order, the Technocratic Globalization of Corporatized Education. Um, I wrote that book uh, sort of as a sequel to uh, Charlotte Thompson Israby's Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. Uh, she wrote the foreword to it. Um, she also uh, helped me out with some of the articles that's, that got the book going. Um, she was became a really close friend of mine. Um, the book is also based on skull and bones and she is the person who leaked the uh the address books actually i have physical copies of those now here's here's the catalogs here and uh she gave me those that's one of the things that she gave me um and so that's sort of my dovetail into how i sort of got into this uh topic on the new age and sort of the, the occult dimensions because the book uh dealing with the order of skull and bones and how they um, you know, were influential in setting up the compulsory education system and then also the education technology industry in the United States. That's sort of my, that's sort of my window into uh, occult research. Um, and so, you know, that's sort of my dovetail into this topic. And so this one's kind of looking at sort of how uh, the new age movement uh, sort of dovetails with transhumanism through this woman, uh, Barbara Marks Hubbard. 
Yeah. And I think I mentioned to the audience on the previous uh, installment that I had never heard of this woman before. And it's just crazy that someone who like me, who has been interested in all these topics for so many years, it's like she just slithered somehow in the shadows because it's unbelievable what your article puts forth about her influence and where she comes from and all of her influences before her. So let's definitely dig into, into that. And like, who is this woman really? And what, where is she, where is she coming from? Okay. So uh, we're talking about Barbara right now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I was still thinking Charlotte for a second. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. She's on my mind. She passed away. Not too late. Yeah. Um, so Barbara Marks Hubbard. Okay. So, you know, sort of a general overview. Uh, so she's, she's the heir to the Lewis Marks, uh, Marks toys, uh, fortune. Okay. So sort of independently wealthy, um, very big influence in the democratic party actually ran to, uh, for vice president, uh, under Walter Mondale in 1984. Uh, she's a co-founder of the world future society, um, she also set up something called the Foundation for Conscious Evolution, uh, and she did that with the help of Lawrence Rockefeller, who is one of uh, the Rockefeller brothers. He's got, I think there's four or five of them. So it's Lawrence, John D. the third, uh, Nelson, and then Winthrop. Uh, so, it's, so I guess it's four of them. And um, so she's Rockefeller funded, uh, influenced by the human potential movement, which she later uh, sort of branched it out into, into something she called the social potential movement. Uh, and that she had a, she had some connections to the Esalen Institute, um, had some, was mentored by um, Abraham Maslow, who was the, the sort of the founding father of humanistic psychology, positive psychology, transpersonal psychology, et cetera. Um, and was also heavily influenced by, uh, was not, she met Maslow, was, was directly mentored by him, uh, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin, who was a Jesuit priest who had a lot of uh, writings that promoted eugenics, uh, never met him, but she was heavily inspired by uh, his works. Um, and then, you know, then later on in life, she um, partnered up with some people at Singularity University, which was set up by uh, Ray Kurzweil in partnership with some other, some other transhumanist folk. So that's a pretty good overview of sort of, you know, her, her general background and then also, you know, some of the things I covered in this article. So let's, um, for the audience and, and anyone who's not familiar with the human potential movement, like, I mean, all these terms, of course, they always love to use all these super positive terms that are attractive, of course, and sound righteous. Um, but let's dig into this human potential movement. Can you tell us more about it, the, the possible roots of this thing? Yeah, so it stems out of Abraham Maslow's uh, humanistic psychology. So for him, so before he came up with humanistic psychology and he had different branches, some of them he called transpersonal and in uh, towards a being of psychology, uh, toward the psychology of being. So that's right, right here in the second edition in the forward. And I quote from it in the article, he literally calls it transhuman psychology. Okay. So hmm. he, he says it's, that would be the fourth wave. So the first two waves would be your psychoanalytic and your behaviorist. So psychoanalytic is like Freudian stuff. It's all about trying to get to what's uh, motivating you at the subconscious through what they call the talking cure. The behaviorist or the behavioral psychologist is people like uh, B.F. Skinner, E.L. Thorndike, John B. Watson, 
uh, Wilhelm Wundt, I, and I, I document their influence in education and, and in ed tech at, in my book. Um, uh, actually, E.L. Thorndike was a was another uh, mentor of Maslow himself. So Maslow sort of combined, you know, the behavioral psychology and the psychoanalytic psychology, and then he came up what he called he called those the first and second forces, and he came up with this third force that he called humanistic psychology, and then later he said that would lead to a fourth branch called transhuman psychology. And so what what's different about humanistic psychology is that. Uh, in the in the other two, the behavioral and the psychoanalytic, it's largely about pathologizing, right? It's like, what's wrong with you? And let's fix what's wrong with you. And he's like, well, psychology should be more like positive or proactive. It should be like how to sort of help you achieve what he called like peak states or self-actualization. These are terms that he came up with. And so the human potential movement was sort of, uh, a, you know, it's a, a branch of various different sort of blends of humanistic psychology, some of which, you know, sort of uh, dovetail with sort of like the hippie movement and things like that. And that's where uh, Maslow set up this thing called the Eusychian Network. And a lot of the people in the Eusychian Network were people who were either from Esalen, like Michael Murphy, who was one of the founders, or people who were connected to it. Um, and so Esalen would be like one of these retreats that was heavily influenced by the human potential movement. And you would go there and maybe do like psychedelic stuff or maybe like meditation or mm -hmm. some sort of like group Yoga. therapy. But the yeah. whole idea was finding to become your true self, like reach your higher potential uh, instead of, you know, uh, pathologizing. And then, you know, this the whole human potential movement would later be like sort of corporatized through like multi-level marketing, like Amway and stuff like that. And then it would even, you'd find it in like these, some of these cults, like the Nexium cult. And there's, there's other blends of it, like, like ES, EST, uh, you know, it, which was, which would be more what was influenced uh, uh, by the, the Nexium stuff. Yeah. Damn. So, it, okay. So it sounds like this Maslow guy must've had some involvement perhaps in like, the occult and secret societies, perhaps. Uh, have you, did you find anything like that with this guy? I don't know that. I didn't. I didn't come across anything like that. Um, mm. You know, he. There's a video, uh, an interview with him that's linked in my article in in the section that talks about uh, his history. Um, but he did use phrases like you know transhuman and one world and things like that. So I mean, he definitely was into sort of the buzzwords that you would find sort of pushed from, from the elite, you know, but, but as far as his connections directly to sort of the, uh, you know, like skull and bones or anything like that, not able to uh, pin anything like that down. Interesting. Cause usually at some point you find these characters roots are like, you know, you know, Masonic or, or something, you know, they're involved in some level, but at the same time, they're kind of, uh, they're rebranding the old occult anyway, right? I mean, it's become this techno thing. It's kind of what all the sci-fi has been preparing us for in a way. Yeah, some, sometimes, you know, like in my book, so sometimes they're not necessarily maybe knowingly associated with some of the secret societies, but maybe are sort of uh, promoted by them, you know, maybe unwittingly, right? And so they brought right. into like some of the philosophies or the ideologies and they're just like this guy is our man and so they promote him and a good example of that would be like g stanley hall and g stanley hall was the first guy uh the first american to get a phd from wilhelm wundt 
Well, Wilhelm Wundt, um, he's the one that comes up with laboratory psychology in Leipzig, Germany. And then it's the Order of Skull and Bones, uh, largely through what they call the Troika. So that's Daniel Quinn, Andrew Smite, and Timothy Dwight. These three bonesmen uh, with they, they sort of promoted him, mainly Coit, Daniel Coit Gilman was uh, the guy that set him up, uh, set G. Stanley Hall up at Johns Hopkins. And then from there, basically, he's the one that changes educational philosophy to uh, be grounded in behavioral psychology. And he gives out hundreds and hundreds of PhDs, and these people go on to sort of set up their own departments. So, you know, none of those people, and not G. Stanley Hall, even himself, wouldn't, wouldn't have been in the secret societies, but they were definitely promoted by them. So, so maybe if someone were to dig enough, you might find sort of a, a string attached to Maslow like that, but I'm not uh, aware of any myself. Okay. That's cool. And you mentioned Ray Kurzweil. He's a very interesting character. I've been, you know, not liking anything he's had to say for a really long time. And it's just, I feel like, uh, what Ray stands for and what he's been doing, uh, whether he believes it in his whole heart or not, he is completely destroying the credibility of the human being um, by, you know, kind of wishing it away in a sense. His entire work is based on just the, you know, finding the meaninglessness in, in human life, it seems. And I don't know where you stand on this guy, but, you know, that's where I'm coming from. So i am be very curious what you found out about him or how he's tied into this Barbara character for sure. Yeah. So, you know, so this is, uh, you know, I've got all, well, there's more than three of them, but I got three of his most important books here. So that's the age of intelligent machine is the age of spiritual machines and then the singularity is near and all of them being sort of like these you know treatises on uh transhumanism and so then he set up uh singularity university which is basically like this think tank where you know all these you know scientists and corporatists get together and sort of think about ways to um you know, further the whole transhuman agenda for the singularity and the fourth industrial revolution and all that type of stuff. Right. And so the way that, uh, you know, Barbara Marks Hubbard is connected to this is that um, she gives a speech there, I want to say 2018-ish or something like that. So the precise year is, is in the article. Mm -hmm. um, and she, she gives a speech um and the guy that's hosting the event his name escapes me right now but he also co uh, he edited one of her books with her um and she cites him in this book as well and that one is the uh, the social conscious evolution and the social potential movement or something like that i thought i had it before, but i don't um but so she gives a speech there and some of the things that they're talking about, one of them is they're talking about, they call it evolutionary entrepreneurship and they also call it exponential entrepreneurship. And basically it's this idea that, uh, you know, corporatist entrepreneurs are going to be at the helm of furthering uh, what she calls conscious evolution. Uh, and they even refer to this this exponential or evolutionary entrepreneurship, they call it, uh, they say that it's quote Maslowian because one of the things that Maslow said was to be fully, you know, uh, self-actualized. You can't just do something for yourself. You have to do it for the, 
for the broader community or the, the greater good or the globe or whatever. And so, you know, these, what they were saying is that through Singularity University, uh, and they, they, they reference Kurzweil in this, in this speech, uh, that, that those people would be these Maslowian entrepreneurs who would use corporate corporations for the better good of society mm. and sort of <laughs> pushing us into this new evolution, which she ref in the speech refers to as, you know, we'll become quote, a new species. So, right. Right. Human 2.0, basically. And it's funny too, because like <clears throat> this idea of being less selfish and, and more selfless and giving back to the greater good is like literally the Jesus message. But how do you get from that? You know, the, you know, the, you know, do unto others and all the Jesus stuff to these characters that just remove Jesus entirely. They remove all the goodness of like this philosophy somehow underneath what they're really and with what they're really doing. It's just bizarre to me that they are able to get away with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, using the whole human potential language again, I mean, you know, uh, Christ would have said something like, you know, uh, he who loses himself will find himself, you know, and, you know, that's sort of the opposite of, trying to always find another peak state and sort of, you know, constantly trying to fulfill this own potential. But then the other end of it is that, you know, uh, I don't know that they're including any, a lot of us in the, the, the conversations, you know, as far as like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh like, no, not at all. And on purpose. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's sort of this mindset that, you know, it's, it's for the greater good because they know better not it's for the greater good because we sort of pulled everybody and this is what we all decide. Right. Right. And the greater good has like a little R with a, with a circle around it next to it. Like it, it's, you know, <laughs> the greater good is like a, of a thing. It's not what we all think it is. That's, that's where I find the trickery is, you know, yeah. they're always just using the language that would mean the correct thing and skewing it. Like we talked about last time, but we won't go down that same route, but. Well, and then there's another connection between uh, Kurzweil uh, and Hubbard, and that's through uh, the World Future Society. Yeah, okay? yeah. And so, and there's another, there's another character uh, people probably know him. I think I mentioned him last time, which is Ben Gertzel. Yeah, okay? I think so. And he, he's, uh, you know, he's a member of, I think, either Singularity Net, or he might be tied to Singularity University as well, but Singularity Net, you know, that's sort of a network, right, of sort of all these uh, transhuman thinkers. Uh, but, you know, they're all tied to the world future society as well. And uh, there's, there's, I found a site that's archived some of the old sort of the, the futurists, which is the, the magazine, the publication of World Future Society. But if you go on the World Future Society's website, you can't, it's not just public domain open for the public. Like you have to like pay and be a member. So, you know, uh, a lot of what they, you know, talk about uh, is, you know, again, we're not really, it's not really out there in the open. So, uh, Singularity University tends to be have you know a little more of a public face, but you know the World Future Society tends to sort of uh, you know you got to at least be a paying customer, I guess. Yeah, they lurk back in the shadows. Well, so Hubbard's got some really interesting quotes, and when I was like looking more into her, you know, she sounds like you know some people may not think you know uh, 
or they <laughs> the uh, Georgia Guidestones would be something wacky and too far out there to even to even think about. Meanwhile, you got this woman connected where she is connected, saying things like one fourth of humanity must be eliminated from the social body. We are in charge of God's selection process for planet Earth. He selects. We destroy. We are the riders of the pale horse death. <laughs> like you got to be kidding me. And the thing is, is like, I would consider myself new age 10 years ago. I would consider myself very psychedelic, hippie, open-minded like that always have been. But at the same time, I would have seen this and been like, what is this woman saying? Like this, this is more cult shit. This is like Jim Jones more than some sort of like, you know, revival of an ancient spirituality. Yeah. Well, I mean, so that, and you know, that quote, uh, and I'm going to work that in to my next article where I'm going to focus more on sort of her influence on the whole sustainable development agenda and sort of how you can trace that back to Malthusianism. Right. So always, I mean, especially if you go back to like, uh, Limits to growth. Okay, that's the Club of Rome document, in the early 1970s. Uh, interestingly, what another guy I didn't mention was uh, Buckminster Fuller. So this was another one of her mentors. Okay, mm-hmm. and Ben Fuller, you know, came up with the idea of spaceship Earth and, and you know his geodesic dome, sort of sort of like the, the uh, predecessor to or you know like proto uh, sustainable architecture. But, you know, this idea to use the design science revolution to sort of, you know, make a utopia. Okay. And in, in limits to growth, he is referenced uh, as he's, he's a citation in there. Uh, but if you look at limits to growth and on my database, uh, which you can, you can get at my website, um, you know, I sort of mapped out all the different references. I mean, so it's based largely on an MIT uh, computer model of, you know, sort of resource consumption and, you know, uh, carbon and all that type of stuff, what would sort of bring us to this uh, zero point where, you know, we would reach some kind of catastrophe, Malthusian catastrophe. But a lot of the citations in there are like Population Reference Bureau, Population Council, and all of these uh, have roots in some of them, Rockefeller Foundation in particular. And, you know, it's basically Malthusian theory that, you know, uh, basically, People breed more faster than technology evolves, so they're always going to be, you know, uh, right on the edge of eating eating ourselves out of the planet. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, it was Malthus that sort of um, that he sort of uh, he's the one that inspired Darwin. Okay, so Malthus basically his idea is that you know there's limited resources and stuff, and so. You know, you actually shouldn't be too charitable because if you spread it too thin, then the people who can't carry their own weight are going to eat the food of the people who can, and then everybody's going to die. So you should just let the lazy people die. And so Darwin looks at that and he goes, well, okay, so if the way species evolve is through, you know, the whole survival of the fittest thing, natural selection, uh, Herbert Spencer was survival of the fittest but it's coined from Darwin. Mm-hmm. And he basically said, well, that's because of the limited resources. So using Malthus, he came up with this idea of, right, natural selection. Uh, and if you've ever read, you know, taking a look at the origins of species, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the subtitle is actually, I don't know if you can see that, but it's, 
and the yeah, preservation of favored races and the struggle for life. Yeah. So his cousin, Galton, is the guy that comes up with eugenics and basically says, well, we can control this evolution thing, right? Uh, if the, the elites, the smart people interbreed and then we sort of sterilize and euthanize, you know, all the, the useless eaters. Um, and so, you know, when, when she's talking about that type of stuff, Hubbard, you know, it's basically Malthusian stuff, and it's always been at the core of the sustainable development movement. Now, you know, to be sure, I haven't, it's, from what I understand, uh, that quote is from the book of co-creation, but I found there's, there's, that's, it's the subtitle of this one, which is also the revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then there's another book that's the book of co-creation. It uses that title. And I don't know uh, which one it is. And I haven't, you know, verified and found that quote in, in any of the actual books that I've had yet, but I'll, I'll be sure to do that. I don't doubt that it's, that it's legit. Other people have uh, sourced it, but yeah. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I wanted to bring up a few of her, her own words because, you know, just to give people a little more depth into who this woman was, because, you know, then she does say things like, I actually think every person can make a difference. Every single human being has within the impulse to express more of who they truly are. And so, I mean, I know that words can mean nothing, but of course, to these people, words mean everything. And I, I don't know. I, it's like, I see the possibility where some people like we were talking about before can possibly get, um, you know, they're, they're working towards something that they feel is righteous while being undermined by uh, a lot of corporate corporate money, maybe in this and that, but this woman is not one of those. We can see that obviously by this Malthusian attitude that well too bad there was another quote i don't have it with me but it was basically like we're going to make this destruction process as painless as possible while we eliminate half of the population that refuses to evolve you know putting it in our court of course that it's our fault you know blame your neighbor that's not you know signing up for all of this nonsense well that's you know again the reason why i brought up that's very very much like Malthus, like for him, you know, who was actually, he wasn't just an economist, but he was a reverend, right? Mm. So for him, it was like, you know, it was more humane to let certain people starve or die than to, than to, you know, go ahead and spread the food out. And then we all, you know, if, if that was true, the Malthusian catastrophe has been a theory for forever, at least since Malthus, which is hundreds of years ago. Right. And, you know, I mean, you think someone like Paul Ehrlich, right? I mean, you think he said before 2000 that we were going to reach the the Malthusian catastrophe. You know, I mean, they certainly uh, with all these, uh, you know, now with the the price hikes on everything and and supply, certainly, you know, I think a lot of it's, you know, sort of artificial scarcity at this point. But I mean, you know, yeah. they're, they're really trying to make it seem like we're getting to that point. Uh, but other than that, you know, I mean, they've, they've, they've touted that theory over and over again. And, you know, Hitler said similar things when he talked about, you know, he, he, everybody knows about what he did to, to the Jews. But, you know, he really started off with, you know, people that we would say today are like on the, the, the spectrum as far as, you know, the autism or some other, uh, you know, mental handicap or something like that. And, uh, you know, there's a quote, uh, it's, there's like a little, 
you know, propaganda poster. And it's something like, cause first, before they started to, you know, sterilize and then euthanize them, it was, they would just, well, let's segregate them. Mm-hmm. And then there's this poster that says something like, you know, this, this guy, it costs 60,000 Reichsmarks to feed this guy, you know, that's your money, dear German. And so, you know, but he, he would say something to the effect, like it is, it's the most humane thing to not let these people breed because all they're going to do is suffer anyways. Right. I mean, they can't, they can't reach their human potential. He wouldn't have used that term, but again, right. I mean, so for her, it's this idea that somehow that's humane, right. That these people are either, you know, they're not worth their own life. They're just going to be miserable and suffer anyways. And they're going to drag everybody else down. So, you know, a quote like that, uh, you know, is, I don't know how you could, you know, for people that, that were upset about the article. I'm not sure how you can redeem that quote. Exactly. There was plenty of them too. You just type her, her name in, you know, and, and it all comes up and uh, it's funny how you look at all the language and throughout like six pages of memes and stuff with her quotes. It's like, you know, a lot of it's really loving and positive thrown in there. So I can see why so many people have been kind of swept up and it's attached to so many things. Let's dig into this heart math situation because that's i think that's important for us to to talk more about okay yeah um so yeah the heart math thing is uh uh, it's basically so there's a non-profit branch and there's a for-profit branch and uh they traffic in these biofeedback wearables and so you use them to get into what they call a state of heart coherence and so you know uh, it's similar to some of the other like uh these, these apps that help you meditate or do mindfulness, or even got like prayer apps, right. uh, maybe help you go to sleep, things like that. But you put it on and um, you do some sort of a meditation and you sort of monitor your heart rate. And once it gets to, you know, through your, your breathing technique, it gets to a certain level. And now you know that you're in a state of coherence and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe helps you manage your stress or something like that. And they're doing this um, all for us. That's all for our benefit. That's how much they, they care about us. They want to make sure we are monitoring our own health, right? That's where it all ends. Right, John? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> interestingly, there was a, there was a, uh, I looked at another one of the articles and during COVID they were tracking the, they were tracking the data to see like, was there a shift in, yeah. Because, you know, while people were locked in their houses, they wanted to see either did people use them more frequently, more often, or was or was it harder for people to get in a state of coherence? So we know that, you know, they do track the data and they say something. Well, it's just to refine the technology and and the uh, they got all these, you know, you mentioned with the R and the circle in it. Well, (laughs) they've got these meditation uh, activities or exercises that go with the wearable and they're all trademarked. Right. <laughs> and I don't I can't remember the names of them, but if you just go on HeartMath Inc. or HeartMath.com or HeartMath.org, it'll show them there. And it has either the TM in the circle or the R or whatever it is, but they're trademarked, meaning like because it's you it's it's they use the multi-level marketing dynamic, which is a you know gets us back to the whole human potential thing. Right. Like, okay, you can be a heart math coach, like you take this thing. And you can go out and uh, sometimes they, you'll go to a company, right? So if you want all of your like employees to be, you know, all more sort of like gelling on the same, on the same page, uh, or they have ones for schools. Okay. And I actually, uh, in my book, I talked about, I, I came across M-Wave. M-Wave is one of the wearables that HeartMath uses. I didn't know about HeartMath at the time, 
But um, in my book, there's a chapter that looks at Betsy DeVos, uh, the the former secretary of education. Well, she was the, uh, she was on the board of directors of a company called NeuroCore. And this one uses EEGs instead of ECGs. So heart math is your heart rate, uh, electrocardiograms. DeVos's NeuroCore was uh, electroencephalogram, right? So your, your, your brain, your brain waves, your EEGs. Um, and, you know, uh, so I, so in that chapter, I sort of looked at all the different types of wearables that could be used, uh, whether for, you know, and this is post or post, this is pre COVID. Um, but I looked at it largely as I thought it would first be used mainly for like students that are on IEPs or that have learning disabilities, like, you know, test anxiety or something like that. Now with COVID, uh, you know, um, they have, like Google wellness checks and mindfulness checks. And so they're, you know, because people are anxious about the virus and they're stuck in hot inside all day. And so like the heart math Institute, uh, you know, they're sort of using these to sort of manage, manage your, your stress. And so uh, the heart math also, not just on individual basis and not just on a corporate basis and not just with educational institutions, but also they have something called the global coherence initiative where uh, they'll give you sort of a, something to meditate about and get into heart coherence and you'll pull up this, it goes on your phone, an app on your phone, and then you can either pull up on the phone or on a desktop, a social media page that lights up where everybody in the world is also doing the meditation with you. And you can meditate on something like right now, the whole Ukraine thing uh, is one of the meditations they have going, but uh, or <laughs> sometime early last uh, middle of last year 2021 uh when we were getting ready to open back up, up they were like well uh don't you know you need patience right now don't just rush out there because you know there's still some spikes and things so let's all meditate uh that we can have more patience to be responsible for each other so largely used through the global coherence initiative they were using this app to sort of meditate everybody into sort of you know compliance or obedience with the lockdown and the social distancing and all of that and that was sort of what i surmised that's not in the article uh i did post that in the comment section in the article uh in my telegram and i'm going to repost that comment on my own telegram page with the screenshot so you can check that out but nice. uh because somebody was like well i you know i use this thing and i don't think that it's you know, bad, and it's not about getting you into obedience. And I, so I look more into it. I'm like, well, here it is. I mean, they, that's yeah. what they had people meditating on. So, you know. Yeah. Well, it's also that, like, you know, getting into that state of mind with other good people could be a good thing but not when a wolf is standing behind you waiting to pounce. Like, so that's kind of the angle that that's what's happening here. And like we mentioned before, a lot of good thinkers are getting hoodwinked by this shit because, you know, at one point I was like, when I was growing up, I was, you know, always rebellious and everything. And science was the rebellious side of things almost for a while, even, even in the nineties, it was weird that, that, that science had to, feel rebellious against you know this overt like um i don't know the simple handed to us story of most religious stories it's easy to just walk away from and and look the other way when you're younger you know what i mean so on that end there were so many false heroes on that pathway you know what i mean so you get locked into 
all of these people and you're swept up by the sci-fi industry too. It's coming at us from every angle, you know? And I think people are starting to see how weird this is and how weird these connections are and how they're trying to rope in this whole spiritual movement and just remove the, the human soul from the equation altogether. And it's kind of like, it's kind of what we've been asking for now, you know, all these sci-fi films I'm talking about, like we just want more as a culture, more and more. When I go on Netflix now, that's all it is. It's just all this futurist stuff everywhere. It's just flooded the market in every direction. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, that's this. So the thing about, so science is basically the, the empirical method. Okay. Basically what it means is that, you know, you can only know that which you can observe or measure, okay? You can't know anything beyond that. Well, except that the empirical method itself is relies on certain presuppositions, right? I mean, you have to, there's, you have to rely on certain categories, like similar, different, cause, effect, right? There's no unit, there's no, these are, these are abstract categories that you need to have a priori instead of a posteriori, which is the method of empiricism, to put the data into, okay? And, you know, there's a certain point at which data, if you measure and measure and measure and measure, like, it really actually becomes super abstract, right? So something real similar and simple is like Zeno's paradox, okay? Zeno's paradox was, this was a pre-Socratic philosopher who basically, uh, you know, surmise that there is a there's no such thing as distance why because i between me and the screen i'm looking at right now is a few feet but before i can travel you know let's say it's five feet first i have to travel two and a half feet but before i can travel two and a half feet i have to travel right a foot and a quarter but before i do that i have to and you can keep doing this he said well you can do that infinitely so if you can do that infinitely then you can say there's an infinite unit of measurements in between this finite space, which would suggest that it's not there. And then if you get it, you know, and you, you can sort of see this uh, paradox uh, sort of reflected in like quantum mechanics, mm -hmm. right? And so the idea that, you know, a subatomic particle can be in two places at the same time, right? Oh, yeah. But at also fractal day, geometry as well. Fractal geometry as well. You know, it just goes on forever. Right, right, right. You can spread smaller and smaller, right? And so, but at some point, you have to believe that there's something there. You know what I mean? In order to actually like operate in some form of reality. Right, have, right. Yeah. And that's a belief. You know well, what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I just had a conversation with Alex Sakaris about this, how we're kind of living in two worlds here where like the quantum exists. The subatomic world is fucking weird and uh, abstract. And, you know, it operates, it seemingly operates under a different set of rules, even though it makes up the macro world that we live in, but yet the macro seems to operate on different rules. And it's like, yeah, I think this spiritual shit that they're mixing with the technology, maybe a lot of what people are buying into is that they're getting things confused because sure, all this stuff exists on possibly like maybe connect the quantum level to cognition or, you know, how the mind can transport itself back to the past and face traumas to heal the present person and create a different future. You know what I mean? So mentally we can time travel mentally. This quantum thing is a real part of ours, our lives, but at the same time, they're trying to kind of 
use those principles that if it's mental and possibly spiritual are pretty near and dear to our heart and they're using it to bring on this technological physical material thing you know what i mean does that make does that kind of add up well, yeah I, I think you kind of go where i where i think i was going as well which is that right so you can you can measure and measure and measure until you can come up with ways to literally interface the cognitive processes of the brain whether it be biochemical electrical or whatever with a machine right okay but you still have there's still you have to have a metaphysics or a reason to do it in other words you have to believe that there's a reason why okay and so in other words like the the religious part of the mind right the one so the difference between ontology and axiology meaning ontology like what is what exists and then axiology or ethics like what you ought to do right so just from what is doesn't equal what you ought to do and what you ought to do again is based on what do you believe and it has to do with something that's presuppositional in terms of you know a, a moral code right a divine code and you can't get rid of that part of the brain so you have to replace it with something right in other words mm -hmm. in order to get people to accept having machines hooked up to their brain you can't just prove that you can do it you have to also come up with an ethical system as to why you should do it and if you go with you know classical christianity for, for one example right uh it's not compatible right no. so you're gonna have to replace it with something else right and you know all this huxley or, or julian huxley talked about this and, and so did all this and by the way all this was the guy who coins the term human potential movement he was a you know highly influential at eslin okay and yeah. but his but his his brother julian was the first director general of unesco um and he wrote a novel that a lot of people aren't aware of it's called what dare i think and he that novel focuses largely on it's sort of like a brave new worldly thing but it focuses more on what do you do with the religious part of the mind Right. And so in Brave New World, they would have what they call they would replace, you know, instead of the sign of the cross, they took the top of the cross off, made it a T, which from uh, Ford's Model T. Uh, and instead of, you know, going to church, you went to solidarity service. And instead of the Eucharist and the body of Christ, you ate Soma. Right. And you got really high and had a sex orgy. And then you would feel the greater being, which was, you know, just sort of the, the collective of the energy involved. Right. But what he's what he's talking about here is that and what he's alluding to is that, you know, you can have, you know, chapter one is all about the eugenics or how they engineer the people. Chapter two is all about the psychology, how they condition the babies. You know, and then three is how they, you know, manage sort of the population with Malthusian belts and stuff like that and, and ph pharmacological stuff uh but chapter four and, or five really more than four is like what do we do with the religious part of the mind and sort of you know it's this you know sort of this blending of all these esoteric branches of you know the ancient spiritual practices and tying it into you know the, the pharmacological and the technological right what do you do with the religious part of the brain? That's pretty interesting that they're willing to even admit it to begin with, that there is this part of us in there. And I don't think you even have to be necessarily a Christian to, to, to uh, interpret it that way either. There's this 
spiritual side to us. Uh, I experienced it directly. I think I've brought that up to you that, you know, there is some sort of religious feeling to it. And uh, um, Joseph Campbell wrote about this hero with a thousand faces, this hero's journey. And I truly believe it. It kind of exists or it's reflected in each and every one of us from some original, we brought up fractals. It's like this original story. That's probably God's story, Jesus' story, someone's story like that. So it's pretty intense how these people have the gall to literally just replace all of it. And it's, I think it's coming apart at the threads because of articles like yours and others like, like this. I think it's, we're moving towards a place where people are going to have a better understanding of who these folks really are and what the agenda is behind it. I mean, I always say that the best way to judge whether it's snake oil or not is if they're telling you, you need something else other than what you can do right here. You know, if you want to pray, you don't need to go anywhere and you don't need to strap anything to your head. If you want to meditate, you don't need to do any of that either. That's the weird part. Like I'm seeing a lot of VR ads lately talking about meditation and all these yogis, you know, putting their, they're putting these yogi quotes on them. Like, you know, I will never meditate the old way again. It's like, really? This is the opposite of meditation, adding physical material stimulus to your eyes when you're literally trying to quiet the material external world. How the hell do they get away with this? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, you know, and this isn't me agreeing with it, but let, I'll, I'll explain to you exactly what they would say because yeah. I've, I've, I've read them enough and I know how they think. And they won't talk to me, so please, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this. Um, so you can do a meditation with a bell. Oh, that's not, that's not just you and your body and your thoughts and your breathing. That's a technology. You know, it's right, just like in right. uh, Space Odyssey 2001, you know, the bone that, they, that the monkey uses to club the other monkey becomes the spaceship, right? I mean, any, to them, anything that you can manipulate in the environment is technology. So they would say, well, what's, the difference between that and uh you know the bell and the vr it's just you know we just got better at the bell it's just a really high-tech version of the bell you know and you know I've, I've thought about this enough because you know i have a steel plate in my arm i broke my arm when i was 13 so mm -hmm. now technically <laughs> you are, like, yeah. i guess i'm part i mean i'm not part machine but I'm not all organic, you know, and I don't, I don't have computers in there and it's not, you know, changing the way my biochemistry works. <laughs> not yet. No, like thank God. But, but see what they would say to me is, well, where do you draw the line? Right. How about a, how about a pacemaker? Does that make you a robot? How about, um, you know, my, I had a friend who passed away and he had uh, seizures. And mm. so, you know, they've got brain computer interfaces that you can swipe and they can stop you from having an epileptic episode right and, you know, yeah. if he was alive and he wanted to get one i mean who would i be to say you know oh that's you're you're pushing us over the edge you know because <laughs> you're you're we're furthering the agenda you know i mean it's an interesting philosophical sort of conundrum as far as like you know they, there's this cliched sort of uh, thought experiment about you know the guy's got a boat and you know he replaces one piece replaces another piece you know for a few first several pieces it's a it's an, the same old boat with a few new pieces but if you keep doing it over and over again the old boat is gone right, right. and so you know i you know i can't say exactly where the line draws there's, there certainly is one but 
you know, they would say something to that effect. And that's, that's why, you know, with the whole idea of, you know, so, so I think there was, there were some people, I think we talked about it last time. There were some people that were like, well, you know, as a Gnostic, I don't believe that I, I you know, that we're supposed to be detached from the natural world that we're not supposed to, we, we get to that state without using technology. Uh, but, you know, if you think about someone like Hubbard, there's not a very thick line between Darwinian evolution and cosmic consciousness evolution, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's just the difference between is one more material or biochemical and, and thereby eventually technological, or is it sort of electronic or, or electrical or intellectual, right? But I mean, if you really think about, there's a place at which the biological and the intellectual and therefore the, the energetic and the physical, right? I mean, this is totally empirical, right? This isn't even just talking like esoteric. Like there's a, there's a point where the stuff overlaps. So to talk about evolution in any way, going towards your human potential, or as Maslow would say, your transhuman potential, uh, you know, it's it's the to get back to this idea of what is the ethic and why should or should we not go down that route uh if you if you adhere to any sort of belief in evolution as sort of the metaphysic or the purpose of human existence uh it doesn't matter if you're talking about consciousness or biology it's gonna go it's gonna it's gonna come together with technology whether you like it or not yeah, yeah, like the it's kind of like the crescendo that McKenna would kind of allude to. You know, it's definitely cyborg. It's always cyborg. It always has been. And to do with your, you know, where where's the line drawn? I would say that that mentality that they're pushing, you could expand that to nothing matters. That everything is nihilism. That's literally what's hiding behind statements like, well, where do you draw the line? There doesn't need to be a line because nothing matters, which is really bizarre when they're trying to come at this from a very humanitarian perspective, uh, especially and think about just going way off onto a different branch entirely that we won't go down. But just to mention the fact that there's been plenty of articles mentioning, you know, putting mRNA into seeds into like mass seed production or into foods that you can buy at the store out of vegetables and things like that so it's like even people trying to eat healthier perhaps are going to be trapped by something it's, it's unreal they're going to remove nature when they're trying to say that they're going to save nature from us it's it's just ludicrous well, it's interesting, you know, you, that you pointed out this idea that that sort of underlying it is nihilism, because mm. you know Nietzsche was basically the guy that sort of popularized that idea, right? Yeah. And you know, he's God the guy is that dead. also said, you know, coined the term "God is dead." And a lot of times, people hear that and they think that he he was like, "Yay, God is dead." We were right. all, and it was not what he meant, right? I mean, no. I think it's the the thus spoke Varasustra. Uh, you know, basically, he's lamenting that, you know, the, the Judeo-Christian values, right, that, you know, the metaphysics of, you know, what the old Western world was built on, the golden rule, and the belief in God and, and uh, natural law and all this type of stuff, that without that, we didn't have a foundation, and that 
it didn't matter. Now, you know, his solution was, you know, I'm more of a Kierkegaard guy as far as those two are concerned, because they're very similar, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, except that they sort of go in two different directions, right? Kierkegaard tries to say, that, well, you know, that as much as we can't actually, you know, we've, we sort of crossed this Rubicon where in our epistemology, we can't really go back or we can't know or believe in and have the same faith that we did. But we still have to, what he would say is take that leap of faith, because if you don't, you sort of go where, where, uh, you know, Nietzsche went. And right. that was like, it's just the will to power, right? It's just basically, you know, your, your morality is your ability to exercise your will. Well, if you do that and you don't, and there is no moral compass, there's basically no right or wrong. Right? It's, it's not right. just that there's no meaning. It's also that there's no right or wrong. If there's no right or wrong, all that's left is desire and power. And that's nihilism. But it's, you know, and if you if you follow that to the to its logical extent, uh, what you end up with is not transhumanism, but what they call posthumanism. Right. And there's only one other way that we use the root of that word, and that is posthumous, right? Or posthumous, meaning dead. dead. Right. And what's interesting, you know, I think we talked about, you know, the, the Gnostic narrative or rather, you know, the, the and it's also the biblical narrative, but, you know, the, in two different directions. And it's, right, this, right. it's the Apple story. Right. And if you go to in, in the uh, in the Garden of Eden, you know, the serpent gives Eve the apple and she says, we can't eat that because we'll die. Right. And he says, no, 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 you're, you, you, he just doesn't want you to eat it because he knows you'll be like him. You'll be your own guy. Well, I mean, this bringing us full circle, right? Sort of the will to power or the, you know, the tree of knowledge, the will to knowledge and knowledge is power, right? To is sort of this trajectory to get rid of the foundation of God, to try to become your own God. But, right, if you believe what God said, not what the serpent said, and this is what we're getting at right now, you know, maybe at some point you'll feel really powerful, but ultimately you're going to destroy what it means to be a human being and humanity itself. Right? Yeah, I like that. It kind of brings us back home because it's, you know, this is a human experience we're having, you know, regardless of our beliefs of what's going to happen post-humus to us. You know, this is a human experience we're having. And I think I mentioned before, too, that they're trying to remove that human experience. You know, you take their transhumanism far enough down the line where there is no line. It's not just a plate in your your arm or anything like that or your leg. It's it's everything. It's eventually bodies just drag us down, you know, and then we can mix that with quantum physics says everything is really empty here. So therefore, the body is just fake. Everything is illusory here, which I'll be honest, back when I first started taking psychedelics, that was very attractive, the whole illusion idea. And I don't know, we might have gone into this a little bit before, but it's just driving it home that they are skewing something because alchemy to me is, you know, <laughs> kind of combining this spirit and this matter together to have this experience with each other. And the fact that they're like trying to use that, but eventually they're going to try to take away the body. I mean, if you take it far enough down the line, at least if you let them go where they want to go, that would be the best thing for them. Like literally the matrix where we're all just in fields of batteries. Right. I, I don't know. I'm kind of going all over the place, but it's like, 
I'm also thinking Elon Musk here is this weird, unique guy, you know, right? He's the only one that's elite and powerful, but he's preaching more babies, right? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's giving everybody so much. He's giving them so many examples of how he's the good guy. He's like this hero that's going to save us from both sides of this evil battle that's going on. Right. Yet he wants more people on the planet. That to me just says more batteries because he's already doing the neural link shit. Like he's putting a global satellite system in place to link all that shit. You're talking about the wearables. It's all going to line up. Is it not? If we allow it to happen. Yeah, I mean, well, so, you know, in my book, I, I said there's basically a trajectory to full-blown transhumanism, right? And, right. you know, so you start with, I think, I, I might, we might have mentioned it, but, you know, you start with ubiquitous screen time, where basically, right, uh, most of my interactions these days are through a computer screen. Okay? Right. You know, Mine's you got, you got your device in your hand, then eventually it's like, well, you want to carry that thing. Just go ahead and put a bracelet on, you know, your smartwatch. Yeah, I, don't, I don't even smoke cigarettes anymore. I got fucking this thing instead of quitting like a man <laughs> yeah the uh, e-cig now yeah man it's oh God. but then after the after the you know the google glass or whatever you know you can get the brain chip or you know Kurzweil says eventually it'll be nanobots all the way through your bloodstream and instead of having to you know use your vr goggles you could just like have a fully immersive experience where not just you're not just seeing yourself in this metaverse, but you can like feel the things in the metaverse. And it's not, you know, what you're saying isn't really, uh, it sounds super out there, but like, you know, I, there's a dovetail as well with, you know, there's this, all this new stuff on identity and a lot of it dovetailing with gender identity. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. I identify what I identify with. That's, Reality is what I identify with. I am God again. It's uh, taking that. Yeah. And so then, you know, it also dovetails with a philosophy that's called deconstructionism, right? In other words, you know, without getting too jargony and too, too into the weeds with it, basically it's, it's this idea that words don't ultimately refer to anything objective. They only refer to the subjective things that you are imposing on the experiences that you have, right? There's nothing authentic about it, right? All that all that's to be belied underneath your use of grammar is your subjective perception and your subjective will. There, there is no objective truth or reality that you're actually using logic and reason to sort of talk about rhetorically, okay? So basically what they mean is that everything is a text, right? Right. Like even the stuff you can touch is a text. Well, a text is just a symbol or a code, okay? And so it's data, right? And right. so if you're in the metaverse, right, you have an avatar and that avatar is basically the composite of a bunch of different data points or codes, right? You know, numerical symbols, basically software grammar, right? Well, if in the real world, all I am is the words, the grammar that I use to identify with myself and maybe the things that I, that I think I experience around me. What makes me identifying with something in the physical world more real than what I, than me identifying with my avatar in the metaverse, right? Like if, Bingo. if, if you take that philosophy and this gets back to the whole idea of like moral or ethical and metaphysical foundations, like is reality real? 
or is it all just subjective and is it just will and desire? Well, if it's all of those things, right? And the way that I identify doesn't, it doesn't matter whether or not it contradicts with something that's observable or measurable or, you know, somehow experienceable in reality, uh, then that means that, you know, why wouldn't you spend more time in the metaverse, right? Especially if you're not happy with the person that, you know, you experience yourself as in this world. Which okay? they're promoting and, people to consider about themselves. They're promoting that attitude constantly. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and and so, you know, I've often thought as well, you know, in the in my book, I talk about, um, you know, the way that these education technologies, basically, they're going to data mine all these different algorithms, your thinking algorithms, your feeling algorithms, through all these different types of applications, adaptive learning software, socio-emotional wearables, okay, and they're going to come up with a social credit score, and then they're going to say that, you know, you can do X, Y, Z, you, you, based on your data, you have to be this job or that job, or maybe you have a, sh a short range of jobs you can pick from, but you can't go on to be a university professor or, you know, an Elon Musk or something. You're going to be some sort of a button pusher or a lever puller or a mouse clicker. Okay. Right. Well, what if you're really, really bad? I've often speculated and, you know, I think Musk, uh, not Musk, uh, Gates had some technologies where, they were like mining bitcoins based on basically bio algorithms. So in other words, if you performed really, really poorly on all your education technologies and your social credit score was so low, you're like, dude, you can't even click the mouse accurately. Like you can't even do the, like the lowest job. Well, we can feed you advertisements all day, or you could sit in the metaverse and play video games, you know, play these little in this gamified world. And we can just data mine a bunch of psychological data from you, uh, basically how, how effective are our ads and our different types of propaganda. And that would be, in effect, like what you're saying, you would be a battery, right? You would basically, right. you wouldn't actually be contributing anything in terms of producing anything like, you know, in, in the economy, right? But you would be, we could at least get something valuable out of the data we can mine based on just, you know, your, your video game experience in the metaverse and yeah. you probably know that you know the world economic forum uh they recently just said you know they want to have a hand in sort of building the metaverse as the you know sort of internet 2.0 right so. and i it's like i was waiting for that anyway you know their their interest in vr and the metaverse and my god that that hits a very sensitive place for me because i've been a video game fan my whole life you know what i mean i love that stuff I also go outside. I climb mountains. I enjoy the, you know, it's a nice balance, but I love the video games. So in a way it's like, well, I want a VR thing, but at some point or another, you're not going to be able to just buy a headset and play some video games and then go put it down. You're going to have to sign into your account. Probably that's tied directly to all of this. And you're probably only going to be allowed to have that account someday under very strict circumstances. So it's all eventually leading that way. And of course, as always, I'm sure you probably see this too. They're just going to continue rolling these things out step by step slowly. So by the time they get to that ridiculous future I'm talking about, it won't be that ridiculous and people will just be eating it right up. Yeah. I mean, think about some of the people, you know, the younger people that have basically are in their youth during the last two years. Mm -hmm. I mean, to begin with, I mean, you know, I still see, you know, it's probably about 80% of the people now don't have masks on and there's no yeah. mandate to have them. 
but some people still do. You know, Dude, I knew it. Not. Yeah, I knew that was yeah. happening. Who was going to come? I told my wife like two years ago at this point, we'll see people wearing those masks till the day they die, till the day we're old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know, a lot of times people like to be derisive and like, oh, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I feel bad for them people because like you must really be terrified of, you know, metaphorically or figuratively your own shadow. Like any, you know, all they got to do is put something on the TV and if they say be scared of it, you'll be scared of it. So if they say, you know, it, hey, it's way safer to be in the metaverse. I mean, you don't even have to restrict somebody with a social credit score that says, you know, you're not allowed out today. I mean, you could just, you know, the media propaganda itself. But, you know, in the meantime, you'll have people you know, like me or you that, you know, maybe is not complying. And, you know, they'll just start to say stuff like, oh, well, we saw you were traveling around too much during lockdown, you know, with your, you had your phone on you. We could see that, you know, I had, a, I went to both coasts last year. I never traveled so much in my life. You know, they'll pull that old data up and go like, yeah, you know, uh, until we let you back in the grocery store, uh, you know, you need to put your heart math wearable on and meditate to uh, some World Economic Forum slogans. <laughs> and what, once, once we can see that your heart rate is cohering with this propaganda, right? We'll know that you're, uh, you're, you're maybe you don't believe it fully, but you, you know, you've, uh, you've swallowed it enough where we can let you out of the house for a little while, you know? Dude, yeah, it's just they've been warning us for decades and you know, there can be so many different angles. You can look at pop culture as like predictive programming and things like that. And, you know, it, it's, it's so true. I think of Wally, -E, the, the Disney movie, all these different movies about our future. Idiocracy is a big one. So it's weird that we don't have to go down those pathways where it's like all of Hollywood's connected to this, but it's like, this is what we've been kind of living in for dec for decades and decades and decades. This has been in a, in a plan that's been in play for a very, very long time. And it seems that the closer we get to, I don't know, maybe their perceived end game, it does seem to have such much, so much more of a spiritual overtone to it. And that's where I'm really hoping we're going to draw the line as people. I think that we're going to show that real human potential here and show them how like when we really bring it out, this is the part of us that can't be tampered with. I really hope that's the case. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I, uh, I hope that, uh, but you know, I, I mean, not to sound pessimistic here or anything, but you know, <laughs> there's a, there's, there's, been an active, as I mentioned earlier, with this idea, you know, going back as far as Huxley, right? They, yeah. they knew that they would have to replace that, you know, the the religious sentiment, you know, with with an with a new age religion, right? With something that basically sort of maybe looks like something authentic. It might look like Hinduism or Buddhism, the or you know, maybe of, yes. even you know Christianity in terms of Christ consciousness or astrotheology or whatever, right? Taking a little bit from everything and then coming up with this this new sort of smorgasbord. Um, and you know, I think that you know what, what I fear is that um, you know that that people will buy into that new brand. That that you know what I mean. That when they whatever they lay over the whole technocracy and transhumanism, 
that this new flavor of spirituality, you know, you can kind of see it in the, you know, some of that, the QAnon language, the whole great awakening talk, oh, right? Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. You know, and there was, and that's a phrase that Hubbard used quite regularly, right? I'm Which sure is so great when you think about the very vastly, like, divided political lines of a character like Hubbard. <laughs> you know, versus everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, what's interesting about her was, you know, she was, you know, popular with the Democrats at the uh, you know, with the whole uh uh you know, running running for VP. But yeah, you had people like uh there's an article, there's a document from the futurist that's in my database, and both Reagan and George Bush Sr. HW, they were at the World Futurist Society giving it the thumbs up. There it okay. is. And so, I mean, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, like you see at the whole, you know, with the, you know, the January 6th thing, you had the QAnon shaman. Right. Know? And so, you know, I mean, so, you know what I mean? Like, so definitely, like, you can see, you can see where there's these faux, you know, spiritual movements, these, you know, these, these new age flavors of the month uh, <laughs> that are in line with it. And, you know, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I, I you know, have be, become, you know, a, a classical Christian in the sense that, you know, I mean, I, because, you know, I think it's easy to slide into that. For, I mean, when you start getting into mysticism and sort of trying to get to the next, you know, th this other transcendent consciousness state that. Right. You're sort of going towards this human potential and then you're sort of, you know, you're sort of leaving yourself a little more open to it. Right. And mm -hmm. so uh, I just, you know, I, I hope that, you know, across the board, <laughs> you know, people don't slide into it. And, you know, there's people all across the board that, you know, uh, don't don't want to go with with that whole thing. But I, I do think they have something that will feel spiritual and I, you know, that, that goes along with it. You can kind of think of a lot of these earlier cults, uh, you know, as sort of like beta tests. Scientology. Well, no, just, just sort of the, getting people to believe in, you know, sort of running the human potential thing on, as a beta test on its own. Okay. And now all you have to do is just affiliate it with the new technology, right. And yes. basically say that the technology is, you know, like I said, it's, you know, it's like, it's just like a fancy meditation bell, you know what I mean? That's all right. it is, you know, and if you're, if you're bought into the idea that, you know, you're, you're transcending and you're going to the next level, uh, you know, you can, you, you're sort of shutting off your rational mind in a lot of ways. And, right. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say uh, again, you know, there has to be that balance because the, I, there's a reason why the logical mind is here along the left and right brain is here for a reason together. You know what I mean? And uh, again, they're going to try to throw out the baby with the bathwater and yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe pessimism, realism, it's not looking too good, but maybe we just don't have to, you know, if we're not the types to, to, to bend the knee, then we're never going to be. And there's going to be like people like us forever, just as there's going to be people bending the knee. So I guess get ready for road warrior, get ready for cyberpunk 2077. If you haven't played it, play it and just, you know, choose the nomad character. He's the one that's not allowed in society and gets in trouble whenever he shows up into the mega cities. So that's where we're headed. man. So yeah, everybody gear up, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, I've had friends that just say like, you know, uh, it's coming whether we like it or not. We don't have to like, take part in it, you know. Just start homesteading. <laughs> they're like, you know, like yes, just, they crossed the finish line a long time ago. Just start homesteading, like you know, most people are don't want don't even want to hear what you have to say. I, I, that's not me saying that. But I've, I've had friends that older people that have. Uh, uh, been in this battle for you know way before I was even thinking about it, you know, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of like you know, you know, going back to even 9 11, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, and they're like, you know, it's not your maybe the best thing you can do is you know, sometimes I think about you know, conspiracy theory, if you think about it, is very, very, uh, you know, it's in a lot of ways, it's like you're always looking for the secret. Mm. there's always the next thing uncovering something all the time right it really in a lot of ways it takes you out of being human right it takes you out of just spending time with your friends and family and sort of just being a moral person right and so you know that's probably absolutely yeah yeah you cut you start at okay well my family's important to me what do i need to learn what do i need to find out to make sure everything's okay and then you go all the way down but you got to remember to come back out the rabbit hole and go back to your family you know and stay out of the rabbit hole on i mean and i don't of course i have this show and i like to go down rabbit holes of course but at the same time yeah you have to pull yourself back out of them and realize that all of it is there for a reason, you know, maybe that goes back to the apple in the garden as well, where knowledge itself along some expansive time frame, is not going to take you any closer to home or to God or anything. You're going to know everything, but where are you and who are you with and what do you, how do you feel about it? You know what I mean? That's what's important. So maybe that's another way to look at it perhaps. Well, yeah, I mean, and, 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 uh, you know, C.S. Lewis, uh, famously, he, he did a little, uh, little article, little speech on, uh, on the nuclear bomb, right? Like the fear of the nuclear bomb. And mm-hmm. basically, um, you know, you can, you can think about it in terms of COVID and I, and I posted it during COVID because he actually mentions, he talks about microbes in it, but basically he says something like, you know, if, if the bomb is going to drop, like, let it find us you know, uh, gardening and having tea and, you know, going out with the the kids and walking the dog and being human beings. Like, like, in other words, don't spend all your time, like worrying about it or even trying to prevent it or stopping it. Right. Like, don't like by, by sort of like by, by fighting it, so to speak, you're, you, you sometimes are actually feeding it. Right. Like by constantly reacting to the propaganda. I mean, I often think like when I went across the country, you know, during the whole COVID thing, I was like, I was, I was a little nervous. I was wondering, was I going to run into like a Chad zone or something and going, and you drive across the country. And if you didn't turn the TV on, you didn't never know that it was so chaotic. And, Mm. you know, like that really shapes the way we think. And, you know, so I'm not saying just, you know, check out and don't be aware, but you know, just like the thing with, you know, I'm not saying that I'm a cyborg because I have a piece of metal in me. There's a, definitely a line, but, you know, there's a place where a lot of this, you know, alt media conspiracy stuff sort of, uh, it has a tinge of the human potential movement in the sense, like, you are also the product, right? Like, it's not just that, like, you're consuming the information as the product and you're disseminating the information as the product, but like, because you're, 
elevating your human potential through it, right? The multi-level marketing thing that you are are also a product, right? And so yeah, you're part of the machine. Yeah. And you can think QAnon, the whole thing, like, you know, you're sort of the hero in this, this, you know, fantasy LARPing game or whatever. Right. And so, you know, that's on the, that's on the total opposite end, but you know, it's just like anything, it's, it's easy to get caught up in something and not realize that you're, you know what I mean? That you've crossed the line. So it's always better to lean farther away from what you, you know what I mean? What you know is the, is the end result than it is to sort of be complacent. Yeah. Again, back to balance. We're always just kind of trying to find that balance between, you know, existing in the world and then kind of remaining away from the world when we can too, you know, and, and just living our lives. So yeah, maybe we're going to be those guys like with the renegade technology that the state doesn't know we have at that at some point. Maybe that's our future. I don't know, but hey, I think we're going to we're going to keep having conversations like this. We're going to keep exposing what they're doing and hopefully at some point we won't have to do that anymore because that's that's part of what we're saying here. This revelation of method idea where us disseminating disseminating the information from our perspective, our platforms that have already been demonized and and we, we're all conspiracy theorists, the product is disbelief. So they're selling the public something not to believe. So it's coming from us. So they're allowing us to do it. And it's all going out there as this scary shit, but it's because we're getting like the full big scary picture when they're just feeding them these little pieces one at a time. It's very interesting how it's working and it's pretty genius, but I think the human potential, the human spirit, us, we are more powerful than that. And I think, uh, you know, those who recognize that are gonna, I don't know, they're going to be okay. Like homesteading. Right. Yeah. I don't, you know, I just, you know, give you an example, like, you know, as I mentioned, you know, they can measure and measure and have big data and AI and they all their predictive analytics, but they can they can only predict based on the data they've already mined. They can't right. predict based on the future data that they didn't account for. And so, you know, when they did COVID, I probably would, you know, when they did the lockdowns, I had to go online with my job, which made me mobile, which gave right. me the opportunity to go live with Charlotte Isabeth for 30 days, which right gave me the opportunity to inherit all of her stuff. And, you know, now that she's passed away, you know, I have all of that and it, you know, it will live on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, they thought they were going to to lock down and I actually did more traveling than I ever would have did if they never locked down. Right. Right. So it's kind of like in judo, you know, if you go to throw somebody, you, you, you have to clinch enough to where, basically they have the opportunity to reverse you right like oh, you okay. can't you can't throw somebody without giving them some sort of an opportunity to throw you so I you know you. i don't you know i i am optimistic i mean i have to be and i you know i believe in god and i and i believe that you know uh god wins in the end you know <laughs> and that you know uh you know I, I hope that god winning in the end doesn't mean that you know we just destroy ourselves. And then after Mad Max worlds, you know, somebody, a, a few people sort of rebuild up on a pile of skulls. I hope, I hope it's a little <laughs> more of a softer landing, but uh, uh, yeah, if it's that I'm, I'm okay with the fact that, you know, good wins and, and God wins. At the end, you know, so. 
let's hope we're the ones that inherit the earth. Let's just uh, hope that we're over here and we're just watching them all be like, ah, human potential, just blow yeah. themselves up and just leave us the earth again. Let's hope for that. Leave so, us alone one way or another. Like, you know, people have said <laughs> stuff like, uh, you know, well, I, you know, I don't think it should be forced on you, but I don't, I want to edit my genes. Go right ahead, man. Right. Time. Just don't force it on me. Exactly. Know? I'm cool with seeing, you know, I think it was like an old Daniel Toss joke. Like we deserve the, uh, the like the best athletes that science can provide. Dance monkey. <laughs> like, yes. If, if like sports stars, you know, think about steroids, like that's a technology, right? And they ruin their bodies and shit. It's fucking entertaining to watch, or at least it used to be, you know what I mean? So eh, it's going to be here. We're just going to deal with it. We're going to be all right. And this was pretty epic. I think we, uh, we got across what we wanted to, to really talk about the first time around. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I really appreciate you uh, doing a second round with me. You know, I mean, we were kind of, you know, getting to know each other a little bit and uh, I enjoyed it. And I, I you know, I, I like, uh, I like both, both shows, but I feel like it was cool to go over some more parts of the article and uh, you know, I mean, we kind of, we kind of did our thing again, but that's cool. You know, so I appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is unavoidable on the deep share. We will inevitably stray from the path from time to time, uh, mostly because of my lack of good memory, but <laughs> It's okay. Yeah, I think we I think this uh, covered a lot. And I hope people reach out again to you and and read your your articles and your and read your book, School World Order. Um, yeah, John, tell them where they could find you. So schoolworldorder.info uh, is the website. You can get the book there from Trying Day. It's on Amazon. I'm on YouTube, Good Shoot. All of them are either School World Order or Dallas Professor. I'm on Telegram, I'm on Twitter. Um, and you know, that's pretty much it. You know, if you, if you want to, if you can, if you got a little spare change to support my research and you want to check out, uh, these, these address books, uh, and other stuff that Charlotte gave me, uh, you can give me, a, a subscription to the, to the database, which is $5 a month. Uh, and you know, I update it every week. So I'll send you, uh, an update as far as what did I upload, uh, and, and with a little sort of summary of what's in there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. And, you know, if you just want to email me, ask questions, give me feedback, critiques, whatever you want, you know, I always, uh, I always respond. Sometimes it might take me a little while longer than a, than a day or two, uh, but I always respond. So. Awesome, man. Yeah. And that's great that you're always up for the conversation, man, because I know the first time, first conversation we had, you know, really established how different a structure of our minds, you know, like we, we think in very different ways. We think from different perspectives, but I think we arrive at a lot of the same conclusions and this part two really kind of tied it all together. So again, thank you for coming on a second time. And I really appreciate all the work you're doing, man. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Yeah, man. I, like I said, I really appreciate it. If you ever want to have me back, we can talk about the book or just another article or something. Oh yeah. Have you come back, man. Absolutely, man. I would love to get you involved in some roundtable discussions, get some good people together. I love doing that. I think, okay. again, bringing the good people together, right? That's what you got to do. Very so cool. anyway, everybody, thank you so much for checking this out for the part two. And if you didn't check out part one, please go check out part one and check out John's work. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places, and remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time.
Human sacrifice, dogs and cats swimming together, pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If oh. I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs> You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.